Lord, uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness in ways that are obvious, uh, like we, we can eat often and we have places to stay. Uh, Lord, we just, we repent. We come to you again this morning and say, there are times, especially in the season, where we feel an unending pull for more things to fill our lives and we forget we have you. We have you. You've come. You've given your everything. You've sent your son, Father, to give us life. And now you've given us the Holy Spirit until we could be united with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever. And, and yet we complain that we don't have a new car. God, uh, open our eyes to see what it is to live the abundant life. And I pray that you would do it as we read the scriptures in Jesus' name. And convictingly, let's all say amen. Sometimes I just pray, I'm going off on a thing. I'm like, man, I'm repenting as I'm talking out loud. Uh, hello. Great to be back. I was uh, last Sunday, uh, Brendan and I, we were uh, visiting some of our partners. And we, we have partners around the world. We don't talk about it enough. But as we get ready to re read Ephesians 3, this kind of fits. We were in Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland, and we helped a church that's recently been planted. We helped them to find a space and so I was preaching there last Sunday, and it's interesting to see the struggle that we had early on as a community in our first two years, uh, different, different uh, country, different context, but same, some of the same struggles, and Brandon and I were able to speak with their leadership team, and that was a real blessing just to, on your behalf, I wish all of you could have come, think of the amount of airline miles we all could have collected uh, over last week, but, but, but just to be able to invest, you guys, you you make it possible to help churches around the world. We may feel like, well, we're just in Hillsborough or Portland or whatever. No, we're doing things around the world. Then we went to Glasgow uh, in Scotland. I've preached there multiple times. And there's a church there, Rehope, and on the west side. And in the last year, they planted two churches, one on the south side, which is the fastest growing part of Glasgow, and then one in the toughest part of the entire city, Royston, where there's not one evangelical church. Nobody wants to go there. There isn't a coffee shop in that neighborhood. No one wants to go there except Jesus and his people. And so was able just to invest in, and to see what God's doing. You helped to buy a building for a church. We don't even own our own building, and we help other churches buy buildings. And to that, I just say hallelujah and amen. Uh, I don't want to be a type of community that's just self-interested, but one that's willing to give to others, and then was able to go to Estonia from there. Since the beginning of our church, many of you may not know it, we've been a part of a work in Estonia where 0.01 percentage of people 18 and under have any connection to Jesus. 0.01. So if you gather 800 to 1,000 young people, you have the entire country's worth of young people. And we're there. We don't just go to easy places. And we're a part of a church, Vineyard Tallinn, that we've been a part of for years. And I met with uh, Megal Remel, who's the national leader and leads the uh, European Baptist Union. And he's just a networker. And we're dreaming about future things. All that to say is, is thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your consistency in your giving. You may not feel like, well, I'm not really doing anything. Yes, you are. You're making a radical difference in people's lives around the world. And we just want to say thank you, thank you, 
Thank you. And so next week we're going to uh, give a little bit of insight on one of our partners in Uganda, of all places. Great to see you, Quinn. And uh, one of our partners in the uh, northwest region of Arua and give you a little bit of update on that and how you can connect with some young people there. And here's my point. Travel, if you ever get to do it, helps to broaden your world. Haven't you found that to be true? Some of you were born and raised in the same town, and then you finally got out and thought, oh, wow, my little bubble was really small. And travel helps to broaden your horizons. And sometimes travel is really helpful because we get stuck, don't we? We just get stuck in our own rituals. We get stuck in our own financial situation. We get stuck in our own vision because we don't like our job or we don't like our career path. And sometimes we can get down if we're not careful. But we read the psalm, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from God. And travel can help do that. So the last 10 days has been super helpful for me. Now we're moving into Thanksgiving this week and Christmas. And so over the next five weeks as we move our way towards there, I'm just hoping in the middle of all the noise that we get a bigger view of God. A bigger view of God. Travel helps to see my little bubble's really small. Broader travel. Wow, I get to see the world for what it is. Well, as we travel towards Christmas, I hope and I pray that you and I, we get a bigger view of God and that we fix our eyes on Jesus more closely in the middle of the noise of Christmas. So we've got a Christmas series called Let Us Adore Him that will lead us right into Christmas Eve. And I hope you're here at 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock. That's where we're headed. All of that, you say, like, why, why all that information? Because it has everything to do with what we're going to read in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. We'll pick it up where we ended last week. We'll start in verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. He loves these people, and so he prays for them with passion. Now verse 20, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power. That's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, I love this. This is, this is oh, man, today's going to be good whether you believe it or not. The next few minutes are going to change your life. They are. Because these words are absolutely true. Now, this, this week we're supposed to slow down. We're supposed to stop. And we're supposed to give thanks. Remember the day, this is like an ancient practice, when people were thankful at Thanksgiving. Remember that day? Maybe you never had it in your house. But there was a time, I think, when we were to stop. We, we slow down for Thanksgiving. Now, now what do we do? Black Friday used to be on Friday. Some of you, you've already met, you moved past the meal, you've already moved on to Black Friday, and what you have forgotten is that the marketing companies and business in general and just American life or global greed 
has turned two back-to-back beautiful moments to stop and give thanks into excuses to put things on sale. Now, there's nothing wrong. I say full price is for crazy people. I'm all about things on sale. But I think what's happened is because the cultural current is taking us towards more and more and more. And look, ooh, that you don't even have to be thankful for what God this year. You could actually save money on what you're about to give. And because this is a season of giving, no, it's a season of buying. More, more, more. And the world is telling us, you just need to hear it from someone because most people aren't saying it. The world is saying if you have more, you are more and your life is more if you have more. And I, hear me, look, I am not, I'm not anti-purchasing. I'm buying things left and right. But here's what I want to say. Uh, I'm not anti-Christmas and I'm not anti-gifts. More, though, can be a good thing or more can be your enemy. It depends on what the more is, Right? And so as we move in the season of crazy where Black Friday used to be on Friday and then it moved to Thursday. Did you remember when that trend happened? Where eat, eat your turkey at 8 a.m.? Because at 9 a.m. and everyone goes earlier. So now I was, just, I was at tennis morning just yesterday and it was like Black Friday sale. Now, I'm telling you, mark my words, within five years, Black Friday is going to happen in August. It's going to happen in August because everyone's going to push earlier, more, more. Two things that I see here that I want us to recapture. We already have them, okay? This isn't a downer. This is actually a positive message. But two things that if you have already fallen down to the cultural sway that just says you need another thing to have a better life, two things I hope that you can recapture that we just read. First thing, write it down. We want to recapture our sense of awe and wonder. Of awe and wonder. Look at, look at verse 14. For this reason, what's this reason? Just go back to chapter 3, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for your sake. Paul found this mystery that was crazy. He is in prison because he stands up for Jesus and other people want to shut him up. He hasn't done anything wrong. He is in prison where he wants to be out preaching. And yet he sees that the churches are growing. (laughs) So he's giddy. For this reason, the fact that God can be God without you being God. For this reason, like I thought I was like an apostle to the Gentiles. I could be in jail for years and the churches are getting better. How does this happen? Awe and wonder. Let me just ask you, when was the last time you were brought to your knees? I get down on my knees, but I probably couldn't get up. When was the last time you were brought, like brought to your knees. Maybe, maybe you were classic and it was, you know, whatever years ago when you, when you proposed. And you said, will you please, 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 because I paid a lot for this rock. Will you please marry? You know, maybe that was the last time you've been on your knees, right? When's the last time? Maybe it, it could have been a painful experience. Some of us, that's Paul, what he's experiencing right now. For this reason. Why? I am in prison. I'm a prisoner for Jesus and I want to be free so I can preach Jesus And I don't know why you're doing this, God, but I believe in you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. When's the last time you've been brought to knees? Maybe it was an event. It was a sporting event. And you paid a lot for those tickets. And they lost. And it dropped you to your knees. Because you'd have been screaming and jumping if they won, right? When was the last time? What, What brings you to your knees? Let's be real for a few minutes. What is it that drops you down? I think most of us, we default to pride. Like, Pride in ourselves, I can do this. Pride in our stuff, I've got this. I, I can make it. What is, 
what is it that has last brought you down to where you are just desperate for God? For this reason, I bow, I kneel before the Father, and then look at what he, look at what he says here. Here's one reason that we ought to get on our knees and thank God. From whom, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. For this reason. See, Paul got a, gr a greater view of God. And let me tell you, friend, you don't have to be on a high to have a sense of God's presence. As a matter of fact, I found this to be true. Maybe you have it. That usually when I'm at rock bottom, God looks very attractive. Have you found that to be the case? It's I'm going to get on my knees and say, God, I can't make this Without you, and this morning, I would just pray that our circumstances wouldn't have to get so bad that we would have to cry out on God, but rather we'd cry out to God because he created everything. Look at what he says. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He just gives one reason, and he could list 10,000. Our father made it all. Your dad made it all. Your dad, your father owns it all. And I love what he says, creator of all things. In other words, someone doesn't have to even believe in God. God made them too. You see, God is God. So I can get on my knees. In other words, there's no true independence here. Some of you are like, well, I'm left, I'm right. I'm an independent liar. We are absolutely dependent on something or someone. And guess what? Friends, let's this morning re-up. Our, or recapture our sense of awe and wonder before God. I, I think, and I'm not pointing fingers. I've just, I'm just been alive like you have. I think sometimes we find God to be boring because we don't understand who he is. Awe, wonder. When was the last time that God was like, wow, to you? And what we need to do is recapture the sense he's the creator he made everything he sustains everything with his very word and guess what he's crazy about you not that many people crazy about you sorry i hate to tell you the truth there's maybe a handful maybe you got a hundred if you're popular maybe a few million if you have a big account but there's not that many people interested about you in terms of the seven plus billion people around the world but god knows you by name Man, ah, oh, wonder that God would even think about me. So we need to understand the mystery. And this is the mystery that Paul realized, that God is working even while he is in prison. So we need to remember that he's included us in this mystery. He brought the Jew and the Gentile together. We all were messed up. We all have our own story. But God has brought him to himself. He's brought us to himself by grace through faith. He's brought us into the family. We're part of the family of God. We're connected. He's promised us the future. We're experiencing now pieces of his presence. And in the future, we're going to be with him face to face. And so you and I are sons and daughters of God and life is hard. Both of those are true. Would you agree? So that's, that's why Paul says, I bow my knee before the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. He's like, man, I don't know how any of this works, but I belong to Jesus. Ah, oh, wonder. He wipes away our sins and remembers them no more. I've got a good memory bank. How about you? 
God remembers him no more. It's not that he loses, like, oh, what happened to Jose? I lost him for about 20 minutes. Oh, he was flying over Iceland. Oh, he showed up in Canada. That's not, no. He chooses to act towards us in ways that we don't deserve. This is amazing. And so out of that, what does he pray? Look at, look at verse 16. So, so I pray, he's on his knees. He's moved to prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that you may, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I, I pray that you being rooted and established, two different metaphors, interesting. He goes plant life and he goes building life. That you, like a tree, would have roots in God. That you, like a building, would have a foundation in God's love. That's beautiful. It's poetic. I love how he just mixes metaphors. He's, he's in jail, probably looking at a plant somewhere, thinking about the roots of the church. He's, he's sitting in a cell or in a home and thinks about the foundation that holds the whole thing together. And he says, you, I pray for you that you would be rooted. I pray that you would be established. I pray that you wouldn't be flippant, occasional. Verse 18, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp. And then he goes just, if you try to do this scientifically, it doesn't make sense. How wide, how long, how high, how deep, how deep. Are those the four sides of the love of Christ? No. He just starts spouting out things. Like, God's love is just all that. It's high, it's wide, it's deep, it's, it's rich, it's here, it's there. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I can't even, I can't even tell you what that means. I don't understand what that means. That you would be filled to the fullness of the measure of who God is? How does this work? In, in light of these gatherings, here's what I do know. In light of reading Ephesians, I don't know if you were here uh, at 9, we just started by focusing our mind and praying. And we just used to start with a song, and we've just started to realize, man, Paul seems to pray a lot, and we seem to pray so little. And that's not a sticking point in the finger. I'm just saying, like, as a practice, we don't take the time. So, so please, if you can, get here at... Uh, 8.55 and get your coffee and get in at 9 or show up at 8.30 or show up at 7 or show up at 5 and set up and then take a shower and then pray. What would it look like if we came eager to be in God's presence together rather than, you know, I'm going to go this week because I've got some time to go this week. But if I don't have time, eh, I don't know if I'm going to go. There seems to be a passion. Do you sense the tone in his voice? He is, he's like, and he's not, and the funny thing is he's not praying for himself at all. Well, I'm doing okay. I don't, know if I'll, I don't know if I need to pray early this week. It was a good week. You're missing the point. He's praying for everybody else. He's like, he's thinking of everybody, and I pray that you'd be rooted. I pray that you'd be established. I pray that you know God's power. I pray that the high, high, low, wide, deep, rich, all that love that's in Christ would grow and grow and grow in you. Why? Paul had a sense of awe and wonder in God. Awe and wonder. And there are seasons in my life where God seems like amazing. And there seems seasons in my life where he doesn't seem amazing. And I don't think I'm the only one here who's experienced those things, right? 
And what his prayer is, is our prayer for you. That in this season of life, not just Thanksgiving to Christmas, and then we go on a you know, financial integrity and weight loss program in January, and then we talk about love because we're eating chocolate in February. And, you know, like all the, the March goes madness. Like in the regular calendar of the year, that you and I, in this season of our lives, when I say season, it's maybe it's the next decade, maybe it's the next 10 days, that you would want to be in awe of God. Why? He's God. And he created all things. Nobody's done that. Yeah, there's a new Tesla truck. It looks weird and costs too much. But you know what? God made, some of you all got thrown off already. God made the heavens and the earth. And he's even the author of the engineering to go to electric cars. Another story for another day. All right. So Paul's prayer is that they would grasp the bigness of the love of God. And I, I pray that for us. Now notice here you're going to see the words power and spirit a lot. That you would know God's power. That you would know God's power. That, that the spirit. And, and what I want you to see here is in this little package, you could almost substitute power and spirit. They're almost interchangeable synonyms. Because Paul understands the awe and the mystery of God is this. You and I are not far from God at all. God seems so distant. I understand that in our rational minds, sometimes God seems like, are you really there? But here's the beauty of the mystery. You and I have been united with Christ, have been given the Holy Spirit, and therefore God is right there. And so he prays that you'll grow in the power of the Holy Spirit, God living in you, and to experience the love of Christ. So most of the time Paul says, we are in Christ, or we are united with Christ. This time he says, Christ dwelling in your hearts. So which is it? Am I in Jesus, or is Jesus in me? And the answer is quite simple. Awe. Wonder. I have no idea. Awe and wonder. I would hope that your faith is more than just a list of rules or, and that your faith is more than just a philosophy or an ethic to live by, I pray that you, don't, you and I would grow in wonder and awe of this great God with this great love for every one of us, which means, what's the point? The point is because Paul is praying and praying and praying that they would press in. So my prayer for you is that you would press into the love of God that you would press into the presence of God, that you would press in to even want God. And I tell you, the biggest challenge I find right now in helping people experience life in Jesus, and this is going to sound crazy, but I think I'm, I may be right, is people even wanting him. We don't need him. Now, we want what he may have, but we don't have a sense of need of him. And so I pray that's where it would start for you. Because the prayer is important because just because you started following Jesus, here's the mystery. In a moment your life was changed when you expressed faith in Jesus, your past is gone, you're totally forgiven, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, you're recreated in Christ Jesus, you're given a future hope to be with the king forever, and yet my behavior is out of whack. So here's the weird thing. We need to pray and press in because God changes me in a moment, but he changes me over a lifetime. And we need both, right? 
You have been changed. He is changing you. You will be changed. There's a tension here to not shrink back. God loves me and his love is insurpassable and it's high and wide and deep. But I want and you need to want to want him. And so when we think about a season of more, could it be that we really need more of God? More of God in our lives. Let me just ask a question. Has Jesus become boring to you? Has Jesus become boring? You know, relationships grow stale by default. Haven't you found that to be true? You started with passion. You are both young and in love or whatever. And then you got a little bit older and everyone gained a few pounds or lots more or whatever. And you got into the routine and the ritual and the raised kids and mortgage and blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. And I was talking to Luis Palau a few years ago and he shocked me. He's like, Jose, you know what the number one thing I found? Why relationships break up after kids leave the house? I'm like, yeah, give me the secret. They're just bored of each other. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, trace it. Simply bored. And we're so distracted by raising kids and doing jobs that when the kids are gone and the career is sailing, we looked over and said, huh, bored. And this isn't a relationship message. That's not till February. <laughs> this is a Jesus message. Can I just say to you, the longer you follow Jesus, the greater the temptation is going to be to find him boring. Boring. And so, so he's done everything to pour out his love for us in abundant measure. But it happens. It could be possible to say, like, yeah, I'm going to church. Eh. Yeah, I love Jesus. Eh. Friends, let's desire more of the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit wants to ignite the love of God in you and me so that we're just, we're not like every day, like I'm not talking about emotional giddy, which is Christian weird, right? We're like, everything's great, everything's great. No, no, there's ups and downs. And everything's not always great. And we're not always bubbly. And we cry and we get on our knees and we have terrible years and terrible decades. But somehow inside, in his inner being, Paul knew the love of God. And so he says, I pray that in your innermost being, you could be in jail on the outside and free on the inside. I pray that for you. Let's desire the Spirit's power. By the way, it's, it's part of the reason why we're doing small tactical thing, why we're doing the community group discussion guides is because I'm, I'm just finding more and more songs and sermons just aren't enough to get us thinking about the love of God. We actually need to talk about it. I'm just going to read really quickly, really... I've gotten a bunch of feedback from these. I'm going to read these verbatim, two emails that I got. One, quote, in the past, we've not been the best at meeting on a regular basis. And this new format, meet for seven weeks, has motivated us to meet more often. And the cards have been a great resource as well. While the icebreaker questions have allowed us to learn more about each other, and then brackets, including where my husband wants to travel. New Zealand, What? End quote. The, the questions pertaining to the teaching have prompted deep discussions about our faith and our walk with Jesus. And the cards have also made it easier for guys who shied away in the past to be more comfortable leading the discussion when they host in their home. Our group has been closer and more transparent, catch this, in the past month than the entire two years we've been meeting. Wow. And I attribute this to Jose's great messages. No, it's not what they said. I attribute this 
to a move of the Holy Spirit. As we long to be more like the church described in Acts 2.44, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Here's another one, quote, second person. Um, that was obviously a lady. This was from a guy. Our crew of 10 is made up of married couples ranging from their early 20s to mid-30s with no kids. I feel for this group because what's about to happen in the next five years is going to shock their world. <laughs> That's not what they wrote, but that was mine. In short, this guide has been an essential tool for us to press into the harder questions about what we believe about our faith while feeling like it's a continuation of Sunday. Before the guide, we tried using different books or study guides. However, it felt like we had two simultaneous studies going on in a week, Jose's, and then the independent study. And the result was not much growth, at least collectively, from either. Thank you for creating the study guides and emphasizing them in the gatherings. My point isn't to promo our little sheet of paper. My point is to say we want more. We want more. More conversations, more asking questions, more awe, more wonder, more, man, I don't know what that means. More, have you ever thought about more, this is what I've learned, more, more, more. More friendship, more relational health, more sharing about what's really going on in our lives, more caring for each other, more sharing resources, more love, more presence, more Jesus. That's what we're looking for. That was all the first point. The second one will be radically short. Second thing, write this down. We want to recapture this sense of awe and wonder. Second thing, we want to recapture a lifestyle of worship. How does this end? Remember we said early on that Ephesians is broken up into two halves. Just like right in the middle, like a, like a slice of bread, right? Right in the middle, first half is more about what God has done and why it, 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 it draws Paul into worship. Second half is how we live it out, which draws Paul into worship. The whole thing is about a lifestyle of worship. Look at verse 20 and verse 21. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Paul says, not future. This is happening right now. God's changing you right now. God's filling you right now. God's giving you the Holy Spirit right now. And so what he's saying is not like, man, I hope that someday you have some encounter with the living God. Well, here's what he's saying. You're already seeing God at work more, more. And by the way, God can do more. He could do more than we see right now. And, and this is why I go back to that idea is what do we really need? We, we really need more than anything else to even in our soul want God more. Because this is what we learn about God. And this is what it means to have a lifestyle of worship. When I say a lifestyle of worship, I don't mean that you join the band. I don't mean that you sing all the time. Some of you just shouldn't. I, I mean, I, what I'm saying is not that when you get together once a week or twice a week, that's our time for worship, then I'm sports, then food, then sleeping. No, that in everything, you know, you know what we see? God. I see God there. I see God here. I see God in my ups. I see God in my struggles. I see God in you. I see God in me. I see God at work in people who don't even believe in him. 
I see God more and more. What would happen if we had the blinders taken off and saw that God is bigger? So here's what God is able to do. Look at, let's just tease it out. God is able to do. He's able to do. Why? He's alive and he's active. God is able to do what we ask. Why do we pray? Because he said, ask. And the reason we can have confidence, God is able to do because he's active. God is able to do what we ask because he's actually listening and he's concerned. God is able to do what we ask or imagine. Guess what? God knows your thought life. Scary. Oh, this is so scary. When was the last time you tricked God? That's a trick question. Touche. God is able to do more than you. Have you ever just imagined something that's so like, oh, that's killer. Like, you just, some of you dreamers in the room are like, wow, guess what? That's small potatoes compared to God. God can do, not only can he do, not only can he do what we ask, not only will he do what we ask, he can do more than we imagine. He can do all that we ask or think. Why? He knows it all and he can perform it all. I'm just teasing out this one verse. God, by the way, is able to do more or beyond what we ask or think. Why? He has bigger expectations than we do. Our God is about this small. And what we need to do is say, God, open my view of you. Because God, you can do. God, you can do what we ask. God, you can do what we ask or imagine. God, you could do more than we ask or imagine. And how about this? God is able to do much more or immeasurably more. Why? He has abundant and unlimited resources. Man, God is rich. Not just in the material sense. He's the creator. He owns everything. And God is able to do it. And by the way, if that's not enough, God is able to do very much more, infinitely more, which is the translation of what we just read. He's able to do very much more, infinitely more. Why? He is the God of super abundance. Man, it sounds like a great clothing line, always more. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about it, but our, <laughs> our good friend's already branded it, and now he gets sued. Always more. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google always more. Um, why? He's able to do always more or more than we can ask or imagine or dream up because he's God. And if he's God, verse 21, is oughta, it, it, it ought to lean the way I spend my time and energy this week. Look at verse 21. To him, because God can do anything. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To God be glory. Why? It's not that I'm just trying to lean in on God because he's the one who could do anything. It's just I want to lean in on God because he's God. And because he's a God of superabundance, I want whatever he wants, not him to validate whatever I want. And there is a difference. I come to God, the God of superabundance, because even if I'm asking for something, he knows what I imagine, and, and he knows what's best for everybody, and he can do it because he's God, the God of more. Glory here means honor. It means fame. It means recognition. It means renown. 
And so what does Paul end with? Church, before I get into, and this is what you're going to get into next, before I get into how we live this out, let's pray that God would be made famous, that God would be recognized, that God would be renowned, that God would have prestige in our world because we know him. And so what does it mean when he says there would be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus? Jesus always speaks of the Father and gives him glory. He always honors the Father. He always gives prestige to the Father. Whatever Jesus does, he says, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father does. I only say what the Father says. I live for the Father. So Christ Jesus always gives glory to the Father. And now, because we belong to him, here's the right response. A lifestyle of worship is where we come to God with everything, not just our spiritual things, but everything, and say, God, I want your fame. I want your prestige. I want your renown in my life and in this church. Now, Jesus always brings glory to the Father. The church doesn't always, right? That's why he prays. May we, the church, bring glory to the Father. So the question is, are you? Are you wanting to bring honor, prestige, renown, fame to this God who's called you a son or daughter? Do you even want that? Is is it your driving desire? And then collectively as a church together, are we? Do, do we want to be the kind of people that, that live to serve God wherever that takes us and whatever it costs? And right now, Paul's writing from a jail, probably chained to a Roman guard. And he's like, I don't care, I'll do it again. Because I want what God wants. Is that our desire? If not, let's do at least two things. Let's pray that the love of God would grow. I think that's where we begin. The love of God has already been poured out by the Holy Spirit and it's wide and it's deep and it's high and it's long and it's amazing. But let's pray that the love of God would grow in our hearts, not just our emotions, but in when I say heart, in the center of who we are, in the way that we think, in the way that we feel, in the way that we live. And let's pray not only for the love of God to grow, let's pray for the power of God to grow. Because where the Holy Spirit is, there is power. And so if you feel like you're, Walk in Jesus has grown cold or powerless. Here's good news. The Spirit is here, right here with you. And he's calling you more, more, more. He can't love you anymore. He already shown his love. But he wants you to experience and feel and know and live out of his love. And friend, this is good news. I don't, I don't give this to myself. I come to God and God graciously gives this to all of his kids who call on him. So I just wonder if there's anyone that wants more. Man, I don't know about you. I do. And if I go alone, so what? But I hope that we can all go together moving in the season of thankfulness and remembering the coming of the Savior, looking for more of him, not just Why don't you stand on your feet and let's cry out to God together. Let's ask for more. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to draw us, 
to convict us, to convince us, to move. Whatever it is that you need, the Spirit of God is already here and can enable you to have what you need when you need it. And so this morning, if you need prayer for anything, how do we respond? We pray for each other. Why? Because the Bible says pray for one another that you may be made whole. And if you need prayer, if this shook something up in you, here's what I want you to do. Action. The love of God moves me to action. The power of God requires action. And so I'm going to invite you to to make your way over to the right. We have a prayer room. Some friends have already slipped out of the aisle to go there and to pray for you. No judgment, no condemnation. Listen and go to the Father and pray for the Spirit to work. We're going to take the bread and the cup in a little bit. We're going to remember the powerful work of Jesus who's able to break everything that keeps us from the love of God. So if you need something broken, come to him. Eat and drink and be made whole. And we worship with our voices and with our lives. So, Father, we love you. Now we come to you. We invite you, Holy Spirit of God, to move in power in us. Lord, shake the things that need to be shaken. Remove the things that need to be removed. Fill us again with your love and your presence so that we can live the way of Jesus today and tomorrow and the next week together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Give us more hope.